Welcome to the Joy Quota Podcast. I'm Dylan Fole. And I'm Gavin Malcolm. Tonight we have no guest. We are going to talk about the inspiration behind Joy Quota, what joy means to us, and the difference between joy and happiness. We're really excited to share this with you guys. It's a really big part of what we're trying to accomplish with the, the Joy Quota mission. And uh, we couldn't be any more pumped to share this with you. So enjoy. Sweet. Um, well, hi, Dylan. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? I'm not too bad. It's weird on this side of the table, but I'm getting getting used to it. Right. We're usually both on this side, so. Yeah. It's, it's funny how, like, your brain will search for any kind of familiar surroundings and how quickly you'll feel uncomfortable over, like, something this silly right <laughs> like mm. just but it's good to be side. uncomfortable right isn't yeah that i mean that's <laughs> joy quota mission yeah dude not to be too cheesy but for sure i mean i think it's hilarious because like you think that you have to do these big massive things to get uncomfortable when like literally just like use a different bathroom stall next time you go to the bathroom at work and like, I bet there's like a weird part of your brain that feels uncomfortable because it's different than the routine. Like, it's funny how easy it is to spice up your life. <laughs> well, yeah, because I always take the same way home, right? And then, yeah. like, I almost didn't, and then I was like, eh, I can't do it. And then, <laughs> like, cut across three lanes of traffic to go to get at the exit of, of right. And then, it, I mean, it literally doesn't matter. But that's hilarious. Yeah. I specifically took a different way home tonight for that exact reason. I literally was like, I'm not going to use the highway. I'm going to take the back road. It might be longer. It might be faster. I don't know. But I've taken the back way like 12 times or the highway 12 times in a row. I'm just going to go a totally different way this this time just for the sake of life needs variety. <laughs> so that's funny that we both took each half of the fork. In the I know. Well, <laughs> because there's the gamble on the the other way that you're going to hit the train. And so mm. I like to play it safe and go the way that takes longer, but there's no chance of a train. I know what that you train, mean. that train comes every 15 minutes either way, so it's like eight times an hour they stop the highway. Or they well, stop I mean, the, the light rail is not too bad. It's just if you get stuck behind like a, like a coal train or like one of the massive BSNF or whatever it is. Because those, I've waited for like a solid 40 minutes. So I know what you mean. I, uh, I, don't, think, I don't think they do those at rush hour, thankfully. But yeah, they, they have I've one where... I've stuck at really? rush hour on one, yeah. They, that's in, it's crazy to me. I, I mean, we're, <laughs> uh, we're getting pretty off topic. But like, yeah, it'll be going and then it'll just stop and then start reversing. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, give me a break. Dude. Yeah. Well, but usually, usually that's at like midnight. Yeah, it's so funny. When, when all you want to do is be home. In yeah, bed it's always when you need to be home. I've never gotten stuck when like I had no nowhere to go. It's yeah. always like, I have five minutes to get home, and then I have to sprint into Allie's car, and we're on to the next thing. And it's always like, hey, just calling you. I'm going to be a while. <laughs> um, that's awesome. I mean, more to that effect of doing stuff that's kind of uncomfortable. This is new of us just having the two of us. Um, I'm excited. I've never, I've wanted to do this for a long time and we, we haven't really like had a reason or a chance. And so I'm excited cause it, it feels a little weird. And It definitely and is weird. Yeah. Usually we're just interviewing our guests, but this will be 
hopefully fun and entertaining for our audience. It'll be a learning experience for all of us. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so I guess we'll just get started and tell the story of kind of where this all started. We've known each other since I was a freshman, so that would have been 07, okay. maybe even 06. Yeah, somewhere around then. It's a little blurry, so but yeah. Well over a decade now, we've been good friends. And um, without realizing, I think we've always kind of lived this mission mm-hmm. um, uh, of just finding joy and like making adventures out of everything. So I told the story at your wedding, but I don't think I've told it on the podcast of how <laughs> Gavin was like this annoying little kid at the skate park, like, because I'm significantly older. And so... I made friends with some other guys riding BMX at the skate park. And then there's just this like annoying little kid that I honestly don't even remember until it came to one specific trip where we like all of our friends were, we're all going up to Boulder, which isn't far, but to us, it was like this mission. I mean, yeah, because you were the only person with a license and I I remember being on the other side, like I finally got invited to go on a quote unquote road trip with you guys. Right, we're driving. And I'm like looking minutes, forward but... to it for like weeks. Like I'm I'm like, why do I get to go with them? This is the best. And realistically, it was probably somebody canceled, or we had one extra spot, and I needed the gas money or oh, something sure. silly like that. And like, oh, I guess we'll invite this kid, and he immediately gets hurt and like wants to go home, and just like. Oh, this kid that I didn't want to come in the first place is so annoying. And now he wants to, (laughs) well, like he wasn't saying like, oh, please take me home. But I could, he was just like moaning and like, yeah, I hurt myself pretty bad. I do remember like that exact thought of like, there's no way the words, will you take me home? Or is coming out of my mouth. I'm going to sit here and suffer until they are all ready to go. And I just like tried to ignore it and. I don't know. I don't think you would have minded. I think it's probably like JT or someone that was like, hey, he's pretty messed up. We should probably take him home. <laughs> well, no, yeah. I, right, that's what I mean. I like tried to ignore you at, like laying in the corner, like moaning in pain. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I just drove 45 minutes up to the skate park. I'm going to ride my bike. Oh, uh, yeah, it was a dick. But uh, somehow we pushed through it and... 12 years later, we're <laughs> best friends and live together and yeah. have this. So it's anything really, is possible. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so funny like that that's where it all started. Like JT, another person who spoke at my wedding, definitely wasn't a fan of me the first time we met. Really just about anyone that I met when I was little, I was just too socially unaware of what like normal I guess like bonds like social bonds were so I just like didn't realize that I was just too awkward to notice that I was awkward right like that no one wanted to hang out I was like oh that's fine I'll invite myself (laughs) and just like didn't find it weird so it's awesome that now like I we're still friends and like (laughs) it's so funny that that's where it all started Uh, Yeah, because, like, I was definitely an awkward kid, too, but I knew I was awkward, so that's the the difference, right, I guess. I was blissfully unaware of how awkward I was, for sure. 
which is probably the better way, but I guess a different way. There's no, yeah. I don't know. We both got to the same place. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess that's us being friends for so long. We've right. had BMX, BMX is kind of what, what brought everything together in, in our lives, I would say. Yeah, it's the like sand of the concrete or mortar that is holding everything together for sure. It's most of it. We have, especially now, many other interests, but yeah, that is the the catalyst, if you will. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, so we rode bikes together for a long, long time, and we'd go to little forty-five minute road trips, and, and um, eventually, over time, like we would end up building a giant skate park at his parents' house. We had a half pipe and a box jump at my house. Um, we were just constantly, if we didn't have what we wanted, we would just go find a way to make it happen. And um, so we had a, a real ghetto skate park in the town of Parker. Now it's like the best one ever, but we grew up with, those kids know nothing. Right, yeah. <laughs> the n- kids in Parker don't know what it was like back in our day. It's uphill both ways to the skate park. And <laughs> but I couldn't be more thankful for that super ghetto, ridiculously built skate park because that's how all of my very best friends. Oh, for sure. It, if it had been some, like, giant skate park, it would have been a totally different dynamic for sure. Um because it was so bad, we were kind of isolated from the rest of the BMX scene in Colorado. Like, no one was journeying from Boulder to come to Parker. So, like, right. if we didn't leave Parker, it was just up to us to make sure we had a good time and, like, dealt with the ramps accordingly and all that stuff. Um, so, yeah. was the very first Adventure Day when they tore down the skate park? Do you remember? So, I can't remember if that was the first or the second. I want to say it was the first one. I, I feel pretty confident it was. Yeah. it was. And that was by chance. Like, that was that was God's timing for sure because we didn't know that they were tearing it down. I think we were yeah. just like, oh, we should go back. So the Adventure Day we're speaking of, uh, the link will be in the bottom. But we actually, over the years, found out we were just really good at making anything fun, whether it was sledding, whether it was go-karting, I mean, we're saying fun things, but, like, even if it was just hanging with the guys, we would find something crazy fun to do and make we're something extra. an adventure. Yeah. We're extra. <laughs> we're extra, yeah. In the parlance of our day. Um, woo, nice use of the word parlance. Um, and so we came up with this idea to try and squeeze as many cool things as possible into one day. And so Dylan's dad had a wakeboarding boat. Has. Um, and so, did we even do anything before that? I think that was the start of the day. I, I think we started at like 7 a.m. It was you gotta go. butt crack of dawn. Cherry Creek is a awful, horrible lake that if you don't get there by 7 a.m., the Water's waves are bullshit. Water's too choppy and you yeah. can't do anything. So we, we end up wakeboarding for a bit and then tubing. And then there happens to be a cool BMX street spot that's like a giant, like, half pipe on its side so like an oververt quarter pipe and uh we go and ride that and we do a whole bunch of activities and at the end of that day without meaning to we're like oh we should go to the old parker skate park it's like a celebration of like 
look how far we've come. And it turns out they were actually demolishing it. So yeah, like they were, half they were like halfway were demolished and then they ended for that day. Yeah, so we got to ride it for the very last time. Like one big final send off, which was like really like emotional. Like even thinking of it now, like we spent so much of our life there. Right, and they turned it into a parking lot. That's kind of the bummer to me about it. Like you could have literally done nothing and left it there and it would have been fine. Yeah. It's a parking lot for the backside of a baseball field that already has a parking lot on the other side. So yeah, <laughs> I guess it, I don't understand. It seemed, seemed unnecessary, but uh, yeah, it, it's so that's kind of where the idea for Joy Quota started before we had Joy Quota as a, a means of describing what we were doing. It was making sure that we were taking our joy seriously, that we were, we had like a quota the same way that a salesperson has like a quota that they have to meet for each day or for each week of sales or calls, or there's some amount of trackable data that's like, I'm on track. I'm, I'm actually doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That was kind of when we started realizing like joy is something that we can on purpose figure out how to create kind of whenever you need it. Um, it wasn't until probably five years later that we came up with the idea for Joy Quota and all of that, but um, that's really where the whole idea started. And then it wasn't until last year that this, what you guys are seeing now, kind of came to fruition. Well, even then, only this year has the podcast yeah. come about. But at first, Joy Quote was going to be our DJ name. We were going to learn yeah, how to... Yeah, that's right. Before, <laughs> before we had a YouTube channel and a podcast, we were going to become DJs. And I still hope someday maybe we One can day. do that. Uh, but that was going to be our DJ name. We were going to learn how to remix um, angsty teen music of the 2000s into dance music and call ourselves Joy Quota. Oh, even and just I still hearing want to, you say I still that, want to do that. My heart is so happy. <laughs> and we've talked about it on the podcast even, but it's just so we underestimated how hard it is to actually be a good DJ. Yeah. But I would really like to do that still. It'd be really fun. Yeah, that's for sure. One day when we can devote some actual time to it. When we're too old to actually go to these parties that we want to play. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Phase out of that in our like late 50s, we're like DJing. Oh, my gosh. So nuts. Well, because if we could do it in the next few years, it would still be like relevant. funny and relevant. Yeah. Otherwise, when in 20 years, well, maybe it'll still be, it'll be classic, yeah. classic pop punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not your grandpa's <laughs> Blink-182. Um, yeah, so that's that's really where Joy Quota started. And um, this year we really flushed everything into what you're seeing now of like the podcast and the videos. and Well, because we started and then after a month, Gavin broke his collarbone and then <laughs> that was kind of on hold and we were just like in different a different place and we couldn't... Yeah, we were continue, really... and so we we got distracted, and then this year we're like serious about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
yeah, that brings us to now. So that's kind of – there's all sorts of awesome stories over the years that we could tell. There's a bunch of awesome podcasts you guys can listen to to hear about those. Um, today we just kind of wanted to talk about joy and kind of define it a little bit, at least for us, and what it means to fill your joy quota and go through the difference between joy and happiness because that's a really big part of – finding joy and filling that joy quota and meeting it is recognizing what it is so that you actually know what you're looking for. Well, and understanding that it's a choice, I think is a big, uh, we were talking about it the other night and I didn't even know we've been doing this for however long and I didn't recognize the difference between joy and happiness, which I think a lot of people probably don't. And it's pretty important that joy, you have to choose. You have to choose to be joyful. Happiness can come from just an experience. Like you go ride your bike or go go go-karting or whatever thing you do and you'd be happy for a, a moment. But if you're not feeling joy, then it's just going to be a fleeting moment. Yeah, yeah. Happiness is something that happens to you versus joy is something you choose, right? It's happiness is a very externally triggered event, right? Oh, gosh, you gave me a compliment, right? Um, versus joy is it's always a choice and oftentimes um, it's a hard choice like the important times for joy, right? Like it's easy to choose joy when everything's going great and you have no problems and money's in the bank and Tinder's blowing up or whatever. (laughs) Like it's pretty easy, right? But if you can choose joy when you're bored and maybe there's nothing to do or like lately I haven't been able to ride my bike because of another crash (laughs) and um, finding ways of like creating joy without – going to the normal go-tos, right? Like I could be pretty bummed and sitting at the house, even like, even though I'm feeling sad, like I'm in a joyful state, if that makes sense. Like I'm choosing joy despite my emotions is, is kind of how I can tell the difference. Like there's almost like a peace or like a, a contentment or fulfillment in my mind when I think of joy that despite whatever emotion you're feeling, you're still living in a joyful state, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, and all of this is easier said than done. It's not It's not easy to choose joy, I feel like. I mean, for some... No. For some people, maybe, but to when you are down and sad to choose to feel joy is hard. It's really hard. I I know because like I especially lately like feel down or sad a lot just based on like external factors like mm-hmm. just the typical money and girls and all all, yeah. this, all the bullshit. Like so you feel down and then trying to to choose joy through that is difficult but important it's very important that i think that's the difference like 
of well, I don't want to get too too deep, but like depression is when you can't you can just see no joy, maybe. Yeah, I think versus Yeah. I don't know, just feeling sad is just feeling sad. Yeah, like that was a big journey for me as well, because I think that I mean we talked about this with Alex on his podcast. Um a lot of people look at me because I am like a really happy and joyful and like bubbly and extroverted person. Um, a lot of people are like, yeah, well, it's easy for you to be joyful and fun. Like, look at you, <laughs> you know, like, which I can kind of understand, but um, it is very much a choice. And like, we really only know, like the brain only perceives by, um, or the brain only learns by perception of a difference, right? So, like, the only reason that I know what it's like to feel really joyful all the time is because I spent a large part of my life feeling a, a whole myriad of really negative emotions, right? Like, and I still experience, like, a pretty big dip every now and again where I'll fight depression for a couple of days. And then, you know, it's, again, coming back to the choice of, like, all right, like, I don't want to, but I'm going to go do something that's going to create joy, right? Like, like as weird as that sounds, that's at least the thought process in my head where, like, I'll be down and it's been a couple of days of just kind of feeling hopeless and, and, like, lost or frustrated or whatever it is. And then it's almost like the internal dialogue in my head is like, all right, dude, time to buckle the F up. Like, let's get to it and go find some joy. And I'll go ride my bike or I'll go work on a project to go help a friend or like uh, I'll go give back or really whatever. There's a, a whole bunch of different tools now and, and, and recipes for joy, if you want to call it that, that now choosing is actually the harder of the, the harder of the process than creating joy. Right. It's it's the initial choice to create the momentum of actually making yourself feel joyful. Mm-hmm. It's really hard because I think it's kind of a vulnerable moment. Well, choosing to do something is the most important. Yeah. Um, I've, you, you'll know the Tony, Tony Robbins quote of what is it like? Um, no. Emotion. Emotion is motion or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, so you just... Motion creates emotion. Okay. So you just have to do something no matter how, no matter what you feel. And if you, no matter how much you don't want to, like there's times where I don't want to do anything but sit on the couch and I'll make myself go do a 30 minute session of yoga with Tim on YouTube. Best, best YouTube yoga teacher ever. And just that 30 minutes come back and it's like a different person. Like it completely changes you. And, you know, some people aren't into yoga. Yeah, it can be anything. It can be anything. Like go take a walk around the block and I guarantee you'll feel so much better. Absolutely. I mean, you said it so perfectly that like you just described it as um, what you were feeling often feels like what is happening to you or like it it feels like unavoidable right like if 
if you're feeling down and you're feeling like you can't get off the couch and just like you're so bored or you're so bummed and you're feeling it because of how most of us relate to our emotions it feels like something you can't change. Like it doesn't, we forget that we're in control of feelings, right? Like that's actually a, a reaction or like a, a response to what we're choosing to do, which is a weird way of thinking of it. But you just described that perfectly of you were feeling down. So you chose to go do something and then you felt differently, right? Like we feel yeah. like our, our feelings are, or we tend to believe that our feelings are kind of the end all instead right. of like a, we control a them. Like they don't control to. us. Yeah, that's yeah. the most important thing you have to remember is like, you can control your, your feelings. It, it feels like you can't a lot of times. And, it, and it's not it even sucks. to say that they're like not useful or like you should sh control your feelings so that you never experience them and you're always on top of your game and you always feel a certain way like that's impossible and it's totally unhealthy um it's it's more about using them as like the sign like there's different flags when you're going around a racetrack that'll tell you like the checkered flag all right cool that's the finish there's the uh, usually flag. Gavin gets the blue flag. That means I'm yeah. coming to pass him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's lots of flags. Like there's a red flag that means like, hey, slow down. There's something on the track. Like, or mm, That's the yellow flag. The yellow red flag, flag is I don't stop. know much about racing. Um, but I mean, same principle of that's more what feelings are. Is they're indications of what choices we have been making and what choices we need to be making instead of something that we can't change. I think that's something that's really important to understand. At least it has been for me, um, is that feelings are an un unbelievable tool and you should experience all of them. The sad ones, the happy ones, like you should ex experience all of them so that you can get them through the system and you become familiar with them so you can quickly realize like, oh, I'm feeling, you know, one way or another. And you can quickly choose whatever action you're looking for next so that you can kind of direct yourself so you're not at the whim of them. Like that's how you control them is not by choosing not to experience them, but by using them and like reading them as signs almost and saying like, Oh wow, I'm feeling sad. That means this has happened or like, let me look around and see why. Oh, well that choice has been creating, you know, I haven't been eating right. So that's actually leading to me not having the energy I need or like, I'm not feeling great about how I'm looking or like, honestly, I'm not as disciplined as I should be. And so I'm feeling a little bit of shame and all those things. And then, you can start making different choices instead of being a victim to them. Yeah. So you mentioned when you were younger, you you were like angry and, and all yeah. these things. Do you remember like what what inspired the change? Like for anyone listening that maybe is 
Yeah, he's interested in this and getting angry right now. Like, screw you guys. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, oh, that's not what no, I mean. No, honestly, I, I, if someone's out there and they're experiencing like, that's so real. I certainly would have felt that if I heard someone who, like, seemed to be naturally super joyful. Like, oh, yeah, you just choose joy. Like, oh, I'll punch you in the face if I see you. <laughs> so, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I... I get told I have yeah. a perfect life and I feel like I have the most opposite of perfect life. <laughs> yeah. Of any. But anyway, do you remember like what inspired the change of like I need I need to get better. I need to do something different. Absolutely. I remember there was two really defining moments like that in my life. Um the first one I would have been about 6th or 7th grade. And um, I just remember, or maybe even like, yeah, it probably would have been like sixth grade. Um, I went to a small charter school in Parker, and I lived, I lived a very sheltered life. Um, maybe not sheltered in the sense that like I never got hurt or I never, you know, anything like that. It was more like I didn't live, I never got socialized because I lived outside of a cul-de-sac and. You know, even though, like, I went through life, like, parents got divorced and all that stuff. Like, I wasn't sheltered in that sense. It's more like I just wasn't socialized. So I kind of lived in this weird little bubble. And I knew the same 40 kids, kindergarten through eighth grade, the same teachers in the school the whole time, the same staff. I mean, everything in my life was exactly the same the first, like, 10, 12 years of my life all the same people, all that stuff. So, um, and I remember one day making a distinction of like, the reason everyone's acting like I'm weird and that like no one wants to be my friend and I'm having, you know, which was creating like tons of anger and so much resentment and I just felt like the world was out to get me. Um, and, And I really just, I lived in such an angry place and it, one day it kind of clicked in my head of, oh, it's me. They're reacting to me. I am doing stuff that is genuinely, like, I'm making it hard for them to be my friend. I'm making myself seem weird and unapproachable, um, things like that. And one day, I don't exactly remember what the the switch that flipped was, but I I very distinctly remember just all of a sudden being floored with this thought of, oh, it's because it's me. And for the first time, it felt like it was something that I could do something about. Because before it was the world's just out to get me. I mean, that's a pretty harsh realization for a, whatever you were, 12 year old or 11 year old. I mean, and it's also a serious rever- one because in my mind, I, it was so hopeful. Like for the first time in my life, I was actually excited that, oh, if I can get this reaction out of them, I can learn how to get a different reaction out of people. Like for the first time, I saw that I was in control over how I saw myself um, and, and to some degree how others saw me. Well, I just mean it's huge that you discovered that at 11 years old where there's 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old people that still don't understand that. I 
I'm barely understanding this. <laughs> if, if we're honest, like, yeah, I kind I know what you're saying, and I'm like, hmm, yeah. Looking back at my life, I'm like, yeah, I was the weird one. And yeah, I was showing up to school like with like a like a homemade bowl cut, and like I couldn't have made it any harder for someone to approach me and be kind or like, and like I, I if my dr- my dream was like, oh, I'll go be friends with so and so, like. It, I wouldn't have ever even given them a chance looking back. Um, and then I remember realizing that and then learning quite quickly how hard it is to undo people's impressions of you and like why it's so important to really always put your best foot forward. Not in the sense of like paint a picture that isn't true, but put your best foot forward as in like always make an effort, whether it's like, Oh, I'm going to make an effort to show up and be kind to this person or authentic or whatever it is. Like always make an effort. Cause again, these people had known me since I was in kindergarten. And then the next day I show up to school and like, I'm wearing new clothes and I'm trying to be a completely new person. (laughs) And they're all just like, what are you doing, dude? You're the such and such kid, right? Like I had created expectations around who I was not only for myself, but for everyone around me. And so I remember very, very excitedly looking forward to high school of like, I can finally get lost in a sea of 1,500 new kids going to school as freshmen. I can genuinely, like none of these people know who I used to be. So whatever I show up as is going to be who these people know me as. Well, it's really funny because like I would always watch movies like uh the new guy yeah and things like that and dream about like because i I felt the same way and then i didn't know how to change and like i was just like this weird loser kid (laughs) and like i would watch the the movies where he could just like go to he would change schools and then be a different person and like i would fantasize about that and then just couldn't do it and you did Essentially, it was I only because I figured it out before high school. Yeah, exactly. Like, that was, that a was big, the key. Like, mo- I feel like a, a lot of people go through that from high school to college. Like, they right, go yeah. to college and they choose to be a new person and all that. Um, and you, get, I, you get beat down in high school pretty good if you're oh, not. If you're not. Yeah, even in middle like, school, like if you didn't, kids are real, real harsh because oh, totally. They haven't had enough life to like really understand like oh I'm kind to people because it sucks when people aren't kind to me like life is sunshine and rainbows because you're a little kid and you haven't really uh, maybe that's exaggerating but like you haven't learned the golden rule enough through practice (laughs) yet like you just most people haven't had enough chance Um, that's for sure and like you said like you weren't able to make it happen like I was I'm sure looking back, like I showed genuine signs of a psychotic breakdown. Like I remember watching movies and like taking notes or like pausing and rewinding certain scenes and like practicing human behavior, like a psycho for practicing sure. Yeah, like, like, like which movies? Describe some movies. I very vividly remember watching Hercules, the animated Hercules <laughs> and practicing smiling afterwards. Like 
right, he has a very like good smile. I, I know he's a cartoon, but like, what are the features of this smile that I like? that I want to bring forth into my high school career and like standing in front of a mirror and like, hmm, is, is it going to be like more smirky or is it going to be like a, huh? Like I remember and like, that's so, why I have such an exaggerated smile. And it works I'm now. Did it work that. then? Like, did it, I mean, it had to have. You let me hang around. So. <laughs> Very uh, unexcitedly, but. Yeah, well, and I think that was kind of, I mean, to tie it into that first story from the beginning of the podcast of how, like, when we first met, like, none of my current BMX friends actually liked me. (laughs) They were all kind of like, who's this weird kid? And, like, I was tenacious enough to work through the, like, I knew, like, I wasn't going to settle for anything less than y'all are going to be my friends. Like, that was the end goal. I was like, I'm going to learn how to make my own set of friends, not just these weird people that I'm stuck with for eight years of my life because they go to the same school and it's the only people I have access to. Well, because there's literally 10 people within a 10-year range that ride BMX in Parker, Colorado. So it wasn't a a large pool to draw from. It was literally become friends with these people or give up on your favorite thing of all time because you're never going to be able to go to the skate park and like have a good time while they're all doing something separate. So like I very, very vividly remember just like chipping away at the mountain until I had finally buried into it. I've just like, I'm just going to, if they want like any opportunity to hang out, like I'm going to hang out. And like, same thing with like, I hurt myself. Like I'm not going to, I'm going to deal with the pain as best as I can until we leave. Like I'm not going to out loud say like, take me home. Like, I remember that all very vividly. If I chose, like, these people are going to be an important part of my life, whether or not they've accepted it, is kind of how it felt. Like, I, you're going to be my friend. You can wait. <laughs> yeah. We just don't know. Yeah, yet. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, <laughs> See, I remember that a lot. That's where I'm curious. I wish we could remember how long you had to chip away at us because I. It was like a solid like eight months. Because maybe from until that that boulder trip, you think it was eight months from when we originally met you to that boulder trip? No, no, no. That was just part of the chipping away. I I do remember uh, one day we'll have to get Jarrett Litzinger on the the podcast because he's like a big part of the story. But it was just raining cats and dogs. And part of the skate park was muddy because there was like not concrete everywhere. It was pretty ghetto. And uh, I did something and slipped and fell and slid into the mud, but I had caught myself like crab walk style. But because it was so muddy, I genuinely couldn't like push to get back up. And I didn't want to sit down because I was wearing white jeans. And I very, and like Jarrett's on the other side of the skate park and, I, and so is JT. And I'm trying to get them to help me, but they think it's the funniest thing ever. Because <laughs> like the, the new kid has fallen and can't get up and let's watch him struggle. Who wouldn't? Like, that's hilarious. And, um, and, and that was like the bonding moment that afterwards, like I, I literally remember Jarrett and JT, but very specifically Jarrett saying like, dude, that was like the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, welcome to the crew. Like, that was a, the best. And then like once that little bonding moment had happened, th- that goodwill 
with them is kind of like how I got invited to like Boulder and like a couple of the other things. Right. Yeah. Because it, it, it was definitely it was a long time before I really became. I was probably the last the one on board. Oh, for sure. Definitely, Especially after yeah. the Boulder experience, for sure. I think that was like yeah. test number one, and then just at the point in your life that you were at, like. I was just an obstacle to you having fun that day. So like, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it's a process to kind of choose your, who you want to be. Um, for sure. I think the, I just thought of this part of the, uh, the possible acceptance is because like I was super into filming and wanted to film like the craziest tricks and it, you were one that wasn't necessarily afraid to send it and eat shit on oh, yeah. on stuff. So, like, if we're filming videos of like like flying out of quarter pipes and maybe somebody does a tail whip, and then Gavin's over here like three sixteen this box jump. It's like one of the craziest things that anybody's doing. Like that like, was oh, definitely part of it. Okay, like. Uh, he's actually trying to send it. I should film that. And that could be part of our video. I do think my high, as a young kid, my high threshold for huckability definitely might've earned some childhood respect from my peers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the sec, so to get to the second point, um, of like when I very vividly remember like having that aha moment of when I'm going to choose, kind of the next direction or like the next um, like, Oh, something's wrong and I need to change it kind of moment. Um, we had just gotten back from our trip to Australia and w while I had gone down there, I was single, you were single and our friend Andrew was long distance dating some girl and uh, he leviked. He leviked her. I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, they were. They wouldn't say "I love you" over Skype, so they leviked each other. Yep. Um, God, that's hilarious and adorable. Um, yeah. So I remember, but while we were down there, we're all you know early. I'm like late teens, like nineteen. You were probably like early twenties. And we're all single, good-looking guys who want to go meet girls and hang out and all that stuff. And I remember watching Andrew, like, everywhere he went, like, everyone was just so attracted to him. Not even in, like, a romantic way. Just, like, people wanted to be around him. Yeah. And we had kind of experienced that firsthand when we became friends with him because we didn't like him because he was just, like, an outsider of our skate park and he was weird and, like... He was just a goofball. And I don't some, remember not liking him, to I, be I, honest. Oh, I, I, remember, I, remember, I, remember, I remember liking him right away. I remember being afraid of I him. Is like a, oh, no, like, because my only experience with friend groups is like if a new guy came in, someone had to leave. <laughs> like it could, the pie couldn't get bigger. There was only X amount of seats at the table. You couldn't just pull up a chair, right? So I remember thinking, like, I'm low man on the totem pole. This guy's going to, like, I'm going to lose all my friends. For sure, and feeling like a very scarcity mindset. Um, not at all what happened. We became best friends. Um, but I remember watching all these people get incredibly drawn to him. And just everywhere we went, he seemed to get a hookup. Or not like romantically, like literally like, oh, here's a free thing. Or like everywhere we went, things just kind of like fell in line for him in a way. And like 
no matter what was going on where like you and I would be stressing over like this or that, he just wasn't. And um, especially when it came to women, he was constantly meeting girls and like he, he was just constantly right. The one dude that wouldn't beautiful do to any yeah anything with these girls yeah and he, he was just like not like. trying and he was he was just getting all this attention and I remember getting stateside and um, my good friend introduced me to some personal development right when I had gotten back and it was kind of a everything's getting stirred up time anyways just because we had spent time over there and then trying to adjust to life back here and choosing where I want to go with my life and just had another one of those moments of, oh, this is under my control in realizing like, oh, all these girls, like my whole life, I just had all these really bad experiences with women. Like me and my sister didn't grow up very close and it, like there was a lot of like anger in that relationship as kids. Um, which is we've worked on a lot now as adults, um, which is nice because like we're, we've both just matured out of that phase of our lives. But we certainly shout out a, to Ashley, who yeah. is our yeah. one of our biggest fans. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to Ashley Malcolm. Or, uh, she's like really been supportive for this. And um, we've we've grown a lot, lot closer over the last couple of years. Um, and my mom and I had a really hard relationship growing up. And like, I, I got cheated on by every girl I ever dated in high school. And I just remember being so hurt by all these women. And so I just didn't trust them. And I had a tremendous amount of anger there. And I remember getting back from Australia and having the same thought as in high school instead of or in middle school, where I was like, so hurt by all of these people. And, like, oh, I'm such a victim. And, like, why are all these people being so mean to me? And then all of a sudden, same thing happens with women where I'm like, oh, like, I'm eliciting responses from them. If I change my behavior, their responses will change. Like, I'm the only common denominator in my life. If I want different results, like, I'm the only person who can fix that. And so um, that summer, like, again, just giant light bulb goes off in my head and I get really, really into personal development and, and I started reading books and listening to audios and um, started reading books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, like Change My Life and this silly book called 92 Ways to Talk to Anybody and like all of a sudden I started experiencing that life that I had watched Andrew have in Australia where for the first time, the resentment towards all of the women that I knew had gone. And all of a sudden, I'm like meeting cute girls. And like, I never did anything because I was still so shy. And like, it felt so vulnerable. And like, I was really afraid to make any moves. But for the first time in my life, I was having really pleasant, wonderful interactions with women within literally three, four months of making this realization and changing my behavior. I mean, not even a, a quarter of a year later, and I'm just experiencing life in a totally new way, and I'm meeting all these these amazing women who, even non-romantically, I'm just having good experiences for the first time, right? And I get to, like, look at your mom in a new light where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wow, like, here I was not, like, 
I never realized how amazing your mom was until like that period of my life. I just like took for granted. Even on cookies and brownies night. Yeah, because, like, I was like, oh, she's just, like, buttering me up. Like, never trust a woman was my mentality before that. And then I remember going to your house, you know, for, like, Thanksgiving and stuff afterwards and being like, wow, Janice, greatest of all time. Like, you are so kind and so giving. And it's and it's so apparent, like, the the extra that you allow others to be just because of who you are. Like, Bruce shows up differently because of – that's Dylan's dad uh, – differently because of who she was and like we both showed up and Taylor she just brought the best out in people and I was like wow like women like that exist so that's cool and then realizing like oh my Nana and Papa have been married for like 70 years and there's like madly in love like, wow this is crazy and the more you learn the more you learn and the more you learn and the more you see and the more you see and the more you're looking the more that you see and, and you find and um literally within like five months of making that realization going from the most angry, upset, resentful person in the world towards women. Five months later, I was dating Katrina and it was like the healthiest relationship I had ever been in to that point. And it was an awesome relationship. We, we were really good together. We just long-term, like we were headed different ways and we, we helped each other tremendously during the time we dated. Um, but yeah, like that's how quickly life can change. At least it did for me of just realizing like you, one of my favorite people in the world, Sarah Thompson says this quote all the time. I think it's a, originally Tony Robbins. Uh, you are 100% responsible for your life's experience. Whatever you're experiencing, you are responsible for. You can, And that goes back to choosing joy, right? Like if you're feeling anything, it's because of a set of choices and real quickly you can choose a new set of choices and feel something different even before you start experiencing new results. So, yeah, there's a lot, a lot there. <laughs> I know. So but, I, I get um, so excited. I, know, and I, know. I just love to hear um, myself talk. No, it's really interesting that my mom had kind of helped with uh with your situation uh because in my eyes they were so conservative that uh, like towards girls and sex and all of that that like i was too afraid growing up like i couldn't all of high school i never talked to any girls ever like i was yeah. terrified because like my mom I don't know what what they did specifically but it was something somehow I just got this fear that like I wasn't good enough that like I couldn't talk to talk to girls at all like it, it just like wasn't even a thing that I could do and it to this day it obviously affects yeah. me huge but I'm glad that she helped you yeah well I, and that's something like not to burst your bubble, but like, you're certainly not special in that aspect. Like we're all constantly wondering if we're enough. Right. Or like, like I don't think there's anything scarier than talking to someone of the opposite sex period. Like I'm married, realistically, realistically I'm married it's not, it, to the love of my life. And every now and again, like I'll go talk to just like 
I'll meet someone who's just like the most beautiful guy or girl I've ever met in my life and it's still intimidating. Just on like an animal level, I'm like, they have more resources than I do. Like, so it's, it's funny though, cause I never got anything from your mom for the majority of the time, or I guess about half and half the, the time that I knew your mom. Um, there was while I was a kid and I was so stuck in that resentment of women that she was like the, I mean, truly the, the goat, the greatest of all time. And I spent at least one or two days a week with her. And then all of a sudden um, I realized like maybe I'm the one to blame for my own life. And then very quickly, she was just like the, the first person I got to see being like a, a kind, generous, like the best a, a woman could be where I was just like, wow, like because of your femininity and because of the way that you are strong and because of the way that you support and all these gifts that your mom had, I was for once in my life feeling hopeful that like, oh, they're not all bad, right? Like as funny as that is, but I can absolutely understand how like your your household wasn't really a place where you could learn anything about like relationships and stuff because the way that your mom and dad got along was just like too natural and they're not like big exactly, sharers yeah. of and emotions. It, and, and even like, today, like that? I, I look for that and it it's just the bar was set and then pretty right, high. It's pretty to, high. And then so, yeah, I, I, I set that bar high for myself and yeah, like it just doesn't yeah, and happen. It, so it's weird. It's a weird dynamic that yeah. also makes me sad sometimes. Yeah. Going back to the very, yeah, going back thing. to joy like, quota and yeah. choosing to chase joy and choosing to make sure that that joy quota is filled up, regardless of if you're sad or or however you're feeling. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty weird how how we can have that effect on on each other. Right. It's so funny that my parents had such this impact on you. Yeah, they were the, f- the first, like, couple I really knew that were, like, so madly in love and, like, respected and took care of each other. Also, Andrew's parents, to su- to some degree, but not – I just was – they were, like, the second people I met. Or, like, by – I just spent so much time with your parents because I worked at your dad's house for so long at his machine shop that I just saw – a dynamic that I'd never been exposed to, but it was right when I started, cause I started working for your dad right when I started looking for people who had that dynamic so I could figure out what they were doing. So it was just like so unbelievably influential. Cause it was like, man, I really want to learn just like how I wanted to learn how to ride BMX. And then like a month later, I meet Yellow Designs and then Yellow becomes like the biggest part of my life ever. Mm-hmm. And he's like a second dad, right? Like it, it just the right example at the right time, um, which kind of leads me to another point um, that what you're looking for, you'll find, right? Like I was looking for or I convinced myself of ah, all women are – people who can't be trusted and they're always trying to take from me. And then 
I spent five years spending all this time with a, a, a woman who I later find out changed what I thought of women and like how much they could be and what they're capable of. And I spent, she never went anywhere. <laughs> I was talking to your mom on a weekly basis. I just wasn't looking for it. So I couldn't see it. And I think that's what happens with joy. Um, I'm always looking for joy. So like when I made that big choice to, you know, I'm going to change, like, I'm the common denominator. I'm responsible for my own life. I remember telling myself day in and day out, I am an unstoppable force of love, joy, and enthusiasm. Or, and then it turned to passion. Now it's, I'm an unstoppable force of love, joy, and passion. And literally, all of a sudden, I started seeing what I was looking for. Versus before, when I felt like life was happening to me, and I've, I felt, you know, so angry and, and frustrated all the time. I was looking for reasons to be angry and frustrated. So, like, now um, the job that I'm, yeah, two days away from leaving, um, even though it's crazy frustrating and there's all kinds of things that drive me nuts about it, probably three, four times a week I leave the job site just not able to stand from laughing so hard for eight hours and like really being in a joyful place, even though the whole day I'm like frustrated and I feel, you know, angry at points where in like all of that, I'm still living in a joyful place to kind of tie it back into what we're, we're going to with making sure that you feel that joy quota and, and, it is a choice and it's because I started finally looking for it. I mean, are there little things like that people can do? Like, yeah, cause it, it's hard if not impossible for somebody to just like say like, Oh, I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to wake up one day and just choose joy. Like, Absolutely. What, what are some little things that people can do? Like, I know gratitude is huge. Like being grateful for the things that you do have is, is actually really helpful Yeah. in being appreciative and bringing yourself joy. But do you have any ideas on some, like, it can't just be an overnight thing. No, right? no. The choice takes a, not even a second. Because you feel like a different person after you've really chosen anything, whether it's you've chosen yes or no, or I'm choosing joy or I'm choosing to be depressed, like whatever it is, like if you make any sort of a choice, it only takes a second, but it takes a, a while for the results to show up and for your um, surroundings to match it. Um, I like to think of joy as like dessert. You can make dessert a thousand different recipes. There's millions of recipes for dessert. There are countries where you put sugar on crickets and that's dessert. And it's like a delicacy, right? Like dessert can be anything. But the more recipes you know to make dessert, the easier it is to have dessert. And that's kind of how joy is, right? Like I started 
real like for me it was easy because I, I had BMX and it just brought me so much joy it brings me so much joy that um, man that was that was like day number one like I made a decision and then I just started looking for like where joy was something I was ex- experiencing and then kind of reverse engineered it right like oh man I'm always joyful when I'm at the skate park all right even when you're broken and you just hucked something that you shouldn't have and you broke your bike or any of the other things that could have happened, yep, 100% joyful. Even though you're frustrated and sad and a little hopeless because you didn't have money to fix your bike, definitely. This is all internal dialogue. Um, So then I was like, cool. Clearly, BMX brings me joy. So, and if I need joy, that's recipe number one. I can go to the skate park and find joy. And I used that all the time through getting me through high school of like, girl broke up with me, skate park, or tests weren't going well or anything. Like I was just, skate park was like recipe number one, easy. I don't even need to use the measuring cups anymore. Like I just know all the ingredients. Um, Like you said, gratitude is probably the easiest. Looking back, like, that's that's for sure the easiest, fastest way to change your state to a place that's much closer to joy, if not finding joy and filling that joy quota. Um, gratitude and humor. If you can find something that will make you laugh when you don't want to laugh, that will be worth all the joy quota points in the world, for sure. Like for a while I had a video on YouTube of some SNL skit that just killed me every time. Didn't matter if I watched it back to back. It was just as funny the second time. And uh, I remember that was one of my recipes. If I was frustrated and I had three minutes, I would go watch that SNL. And before I knew it, I was laughing and totally different experience. Here I am finding joy. And even if it just cracked the door to where joy is, it cracked the door and then all of a sudden I saw like joy in there having a good time and all right, like well, what if I had another bite or I tried a different dessert and then the door cracked open a little more and I could finally walk into the room where joy was. See, that that's one thing though that gets tough and perhaps why this binge watching thing has become such an issue is like I got home the other day and I was like frustrated and didn't want to do anything so then you sit down on the couch and you put on an episode of whatever funny Mm -hmm. thing is your thing and then like for whatever reason in my brain I cannot binge so I'm fortunate in that as like one episode and I'm done and I have to get up and do something else but it would be easy it's like I'm feeling good like I just laughed a bunch when I was feeling shitty and now I feel good it'd be so easy to just let it roll over to the next one and then the next one and the next one and thankfully I don't do that but it is I understand how this has become a thing for yeah. people that that rely on that that humor or whatever it is that that feeling that they get from watching Absolutely. somebody else and I don't know. I I don't know why I'm like that. Where I can't. I've maybe yeah, I've like never literally one it, yeah. time, maybe ever. I've watched two episodes of a show, 
in a row. Like I just, I just yeah. can't do it. Like I, no matter how entertained <laughs> I am by it, I just cannot do it. I, I don't know why. And I'm actually thankful for it because yeah, it, like I don't want to spend my life watching TV, but I can understand, like I, I feel like for people that, that can do it because I, I understand how easy it would be to just like Netflix, you can literally, oh, literally sit there for day. 12 hours and, mm -hmm. and watch an entire season. Yeah, that's where, like you said, it is a slippery slope. I I recommend if you're going to use humor instead of gratitude and, like, find a laugh. Like I said, I made, sh like, my go-to laugh was a three-minute video. So at the end of the video, like, there was nothing more. It's not an episode. It's not a cliffhanger. It's not trying to pull me into it. Um, like, it was a very cut, small little thing, right? Anything that, like, a why we get so sucked into TV. Like I'm one of those people who could absolutely binge watch. I mean, all day, but you want shows about like houses and stuff. Yeah. Cause so. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's very, it brings me a lot of joy actually uh, watching those house shows. Cause I get to start <laughs> dreaming fair. about my house and it becomes like about me and um, my brain's on overdrive of like, Oh, that'll be a part of our future house. But, um, the, the problem is if you feel yourself getting numb, right? Like if you're trying to, if you start feeling kind of numb, like, oh, like that has, that's not joy. You can't feel jump or you can't feel numb and feel joy. Like by definition, you're not feeling anything and not feeling anything is a sign that something's wrong. Right. But like feeling if, nothing if, is better than feeling sad. No, in some people's minds, it, the, not in reality. That's the trap. That's not the in reality, trap. for sure. But that's the trap. In people's minds, I I think that is. Oh, for sure. And and I felt that way for a long time. Um, in my heart of heart, I knew that was true for a long time. Um, that that goes back to the the different flags on a racetrack of like what emotions are. Like if I'm feeling numb, that to me is like the biggest of all of the red flags that I could ever get in my life is if I'm feeling numb, that's the biggest, like nothing else in my life is more of a priority than figuring out why and changing it. Cause numb means nothing's working. Even sad means something's working. Like there's something to go off of, but numb, like you don't even know if you're happy. Like, ah, that's like when you've really, um, so that's something I've trained myself. And again, trained is the right word. Like it's a skill over time I've built of anytime I feel myself feeling numb or trying to numb something, that's a big red flag. Like Allie and I have a joke between us that we have a rule, no sad drinking. If you're sad and the only reason you're drinking is because you're sad and you don't want to feel sad anymore, like no sad drinking. You're not allowed to. We won't let each other, we won't let ourselves. Um, I won't let usually like other friends if I'm around them and I notice it like, hey, you're cut off. Like you can't just drink instead of feeling what you're feeling, like feel it so we can figure out how to change what you're feeling. So like oftentimes um, feeling numb can seem like a better option than feeling maybe a negative emotion, but it's, 
to me anyways, far worse. Um, I guess the last, we, we've been going at it for a while. Um, something I want to bring up is just like what joy quota means to you and like what it means to fill your joy quota. Like that's something I don't think we've ever taken like the proper time to explain what the joy quota is because everyone has one. And unfortunately a lot of people's quota isn't getting met the same way that you have like vitamins that you need to be intaking every day and protein amounts that you need and all that stuff. Yeah. And we kind of touched on in the beginning of like, it doesn't need to be something extreme. Like for us, it has become extreme. Like it's not going to be exciting for us to, you know, do, I don't know, something silly, but so we need, we need to be like jumping 20 foot dirt jumps on our BMX bikes or hanging off cranes or whatever, but it doesn't need to be that. We can also have game night and that, fills a joy quota huge and like hanging out with our best friends and and stuff like that is so important and fills the joy quota just as much as any other thing yeah that's a good point going back to like ways like if you're just now making this choice of choosing joy and trying to kind of take ownership of your own life and and choose joy and gratitude and all that stuff. Quick way to fill the joy quota is just do something new. Like the smaller, the better. The other day, I just ordered a burger off of a menu without taking all the stuff I wanted off of it. And like felt such a tremendous amount of emotions and like there's excitement, there's fear, there's anticipation and like pride of not doing it. And like I pointed it out to Allie, like, look who didn't change his order. And like, but was that any good? Yeah, it was fine. I mean, it it was. Would it not, have been better though if you taken the things off? I don't know. I probably would have liked it more. It was a, not a great burger in general, which I was a little bummed on. But like, I was That's, more excited about the fact that I did something new and I pushed myself, even though it, it, it's literally like just the other day to get that same emotion. I jumped a thirty foot dirt jump or however big that thing was. It was massive. I think it was 27. It was 27 foot dirt jump and got all broke off. But I got a small chunk of that by just ordering a burger and not changing it to like exactly what I wanted. I just was like, yeah, I'll just trust the, the chef. So continue. But that, that's just something that popped in my head of like, no, I, I was just going to have to be big. Because most, we've been doing bacon cheeseburger Friday for at, over a year. We've made. Hundreds of bacon cheeseburgers. Hundreds of bacon yeah. cheeseburgers. We're pretty good at it. Honestly, there's not really a restaurant that can compete with us. So no. it's just anytime I go to order a, a cheeseburger at a restaurant, it's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Shake Shack is good. In and Out is went. good. Wasn't a fan. Really? Yeah. What did you get? I mean, this is so off topic. We're not going to get into I mean, it. Okay. But yeah. No, they have some decent stuff. They have no, some decent bad, stuff. No, it wasn't bad, but like it just. I don't know. I was oh, well, there was a lot of hype. You're but, not uh, drinking for May, so <laughs> it helps if you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to your point of like, 
we do anything we can to fill the joy quota, and some things are worth more points than others. Like, well, yeah, it's it's like the uh, the thermometer full of money at elementary school, where you try and donate to yeah. the whatever you're donating to. You have to just consistently keep putting it in, and it just keeps raising it. Yeah, and then you'll take like. It's almost like a bank account in that sense of like you always have to be putting into this joy quota account because there are days where like she dumps you or he dumps you or you get fired or like it's just been a hard day at work and you have to take a withdrawal. Like you have to bring some joy from the account and use it and spend it just to like get through the day, you know, it's kind of how I picture it. So like if you're not constantly putting into it, it just won't have enough and you'll overdraw and you'll that's where like depression shows up my bank account is always empty so i i can't speak to that necessarily <laughs> I, I, I don't feel like depression is the right word for that yeah maybe that's, uh, that's strong qualified sadness yeah it, it, well, i mean but you sadness deser- you're uh, you deserve to be sad when you're <laughs> Well, I don't know. We're, no, I'm just meaning like the joy quota account. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like if you're not constantly just, filling that thermometer. just hit close to home because. Yeah, you're going through you a compared rough patch. To a, you compared it to a bank account and I don't think it, yeah. I don't think that's, I think the thermometer at school where you're trying to fill the thing with donations is the better way than yeah. the bank account. Whichever metaphor you like best, comment below. And no, uh, the like you said though the big thing is like you just constantly have to put in and like there are some days where like we go build a snow bike and then there are other days where like we build a snow bike but you hurt your back and so you can't ride it <laughs> so you have to put in just less than you were hoping for but right riding that roller coaster is the the thing that I still struggle with of like we build it up to go so high it goes so high of like sledding off the roof of our house or doing whatever crazy thing we do and then when we're not when we're not doing that is when I feel the saddest because like I just want to be doing that all the time but realistically you you just can't like you cannot feel it and it would be boring if it was a yeah. straight line like if it was always going up and up and up and up and up, and up like it just couldn't you'd, yeah. you'd die you yeah. just like get to the point of where you're that's why all these uh, base jumpers die is because they like are constantly trying to go up yeah I mean and then they kill themselves yeah I mean that's that's where the work lies right um, and that's where honing choosing joy as a skill is like that's the the bulk of the work right is being able to to find joy in a smile or like today at a job that i don't care about i did a really good job on what i was doing and i still pumped on it like that was a huge deposit into the joy quota account is i just did what i was supposed to do and i did it well and i was proud of myself Right. Like if you're experiencing that roller coaster to the degree of like it's much, much harder to find joy just because you're not doing something insane, 
it's because some part of joy for you is still probably tied up in in an ex- external factor versus it being like in a perfect world like I'm certainly not there but in a perfect world joy is something that you are constantly manufacturing and like no matter what is going on outside it, it wouldn't affect where your joy is at so do you like think about mm-hmm. these moments that that bring you joy in times of doubt or yeah or downness and just remembering that it's not all supposed to be up helps me a lot cuz again being someone who experiences so much love and joy and and extra all the time um when it's not there is like crippling like i go through a couple pretty low points a year if i'm being honest um usually just for a couple days or like a week where it can be really hard. I mean, a perfect example actually is uh, Allie and I didn't get to go to Mexico because there was a quote-unquote blizzard that happened and Southwest shut down all of their planes because of the 737 thing. And we just fully missed a trip that this was going to be our first trip ever really as a couple that wasn't based around like some sort of business. And we had worked our tails off getting scuba certified. We were going to go scubaing in the ocean. It was going to be this amazing trip. We get to celebrate our honeymoon, if I'm not mistaken. It was technically our honeymoon. Uh, We were going to get to go see our friends John and Haley get married, like see a whole bunch of other friends that we normally don't get to see. We'd been looking forward to this for like six, seven months. And one, just like that, it's over. And um, I went through like a real rough, like as silly as it sounds, like a couple hours. And you and Allie came in and I was literally just like laying on the floor in the dark, just like staring at the ceiling like, man, like I've fully failed as like a husband. I haven't created enough resource that like we could pay whatever it took to get to Mexico. And like find some sort of a flight out. Charter a private jet. Yeah, exactly. Like as silly as it sounds, like that's where my head went, and I just felt like so low. Um, So those moments are normal, Um, but also because of that, like we had the best weekend ever, and I don't think I would have experienced the like I wouldn't have known what that high really felt like of all the fun stuff that we on purpose made sure that we had a, an awesome week despite not being able to go specifically because we weren't going to let the fact that we like we were going to choose joy. Um, and so I'm, I'm working on, I'm certainly not there, of getting grateful for the lows. Like while I'm experiencing it, like thanking it, the experience of like, man, like it sucks that I have no money right now. Um, because, man, it is going to feel so good when I can go help someone who's going through this later because I just have tons of extra. Like, if I had just always had extra, I wouldn't get to know what it really feels like. And I wouldn't know how much it means when I walk up to, like, some kid that I'm mentoring and they're broke and they're young and they're going for it. And I just get to bless them by, like, paying them exorbitantly for what they do best. And, like, letting them earn it but for sure helping them. Like, 
that is going to be just so rewarding or like, man, I think part of the relationship that I have with Ali and like the, the love that we've created and in this relationship that we've made, I wouldn't be capable of experiencing if it hadn't been for all the horrible relationships that I had. Yeah. And like, um, that was a big part of my journey is like coming to like grateful for all the, all of those experiences really allowed me to, to grow in that way. So like, that would be my encouragement anyways. It's just like, if you can, while you're doing something mellow or like you're not out adventuring and you're just at the house, it's like, all right, like this is a moment for me to be at the house. Like, what can I do at the house to just put like one point, $5 in the thermostat, right? Like you're, I think the trap that you've fallen into is you're only interested in the high ticket items, right? Like I'm only shooting three pointers, but that's not going to win a basketball game. That's fair. Yeah. And like not, I feel like it sounds like I'm like pointing a finger. Like that's something I went through a lot, still go through, right. Of like, while I was sitting on the deck of a 30 foot rolling of jumps that I probably shouldn't have been jumping all that was going through my head was like, this is worth a lot of points if you send it, you know? <laughs> so, um, so there is an excess, like you can, Oh, for sure. That's where addiction and like a lot of stuff yeah. comes from where someone was like, you know, that's where like a lot of people's need for drugs come in. It's like, it's they're th- under the assumption that that'll be worth more points. Um, cause the endorphins in their brains and all that stuff. Um, but that leading back to like, the small things matter just as much. Um, another quick way to fill up the joy quota is do something for someone. Like some of the most joyful moments in my marriage have been like me losing my mind around the house, just bored crazy until I'm finally so bored that I clean the house because I know that Allie will appreciate it. And then five minutes into cleaning the house, again, action is, or motion is emotion. Motion is emotion if you say it fast. It, doesn't sound like anything. Um, all of a sudden, five minutes into it, all I'm thinking is like, man, this is going to change Allie's day. And like, sure enough, just the other night, you and I cleaned the house for like 15 minutes and swept the floor. And it didn't seem like anything, but she actually noticed. And she came in and she's like, thank you. Like, did you guys clean? Like, the house looks nice. And I, I feel so wonderful. Like, thank you. I feel loved. And I was like, boom, joy quota met, right? Like, <laughs> So it doesn't take big things. And when you're starting this process, um, start with the easy things, the low hanging fruit, like being grateful and doing things for others. And it'll naturally kind of crack open the door to joy and then, you know, where it lives and then just kind of reflect on your life and where you see some of the big ticket items for yourself like I did with BMX where it was so obvious, like that's a big one. <laughs> that's worth a lot of points. Um, and, and that's kind of the secret, at least in my mind. Oh, that's, that's epic. I can't think of anything else. So sweet. Well, I'd like to end just cause normally we say like, when is, what is like the memory that joy or like when you think of joy, what does that look like? But we just recently had our friends interview us on the podcast and that 
like we don't want to say it twice. So what would be fun for me anyways is uh, what is something that you're looking forward to from Joy Quota? Like outside of like hopefully we can make a living doing this because that, I mean, that's the goal for us for everyone is to do something that they're passionate about well enough that they can make a living doing it. Um, what's like something you're excited about for the future, whether it's five years from now, ten years from now, just something that Joy Coda could potentially create? I mean, I really just like hearing from people that we've inspired. Like, it, it's one at a time right now, which is still awesome. Um, every every single person that can like every once in a while I'll get a call from a friend who finally listens to a <laughs> podcast and actually enjoyed it and like helped them through a time or or whatever but just enjoyed it or watched a specific video and liked it or in inspired is the is the best way to like inspired someone to do something that they normally wouldn't that's what i like um you know and if we can keep that going and expand that then we'll be successful like that that to me is a huge success to just keep inspiring people to get out of their comfort zone and do something they normally wouldn't do to me is a win I look forward to that. Heck yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, well, awesome. Thank you guys for listening to us ramble a bit. I had a blast chatting that with you guys. Good. And yeah. like it, with it just being me and Dylan, like I feel like that was, that was something that uh, we both wanted to do and so grateful to finally get to do this. So thanks for listening. Boom.